This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com. It's Tuesday, September 6th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today. I know it's Tuesday, but we've got the usual Monday crowd from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Everybody have a good long weekend? Wonderful. Nice. You? Get outside. Mm-hmm. It's nice weather. I did. Yeah, I got outside. Best did. hurricane I can remember. I was going to say, long, long time. The aftermath. I, I was getting calls from family up in New England. They're like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "It's, it's <laughs> 78 degrees and sunny and a light breeze. I'm doing great." My I, mom. <laughs> I was on the way. I was on the way somewhere. I think it was Saturday, and I get this text from my mom, and they live in Southwest Georgia, so kind of like an hour north of Tallahassee, and. Just this quick text that says, "Just everybody's fine. Just a couple of trees down." And I, I, I had to sit there and think about what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, wait a minute. That's, that's right. You're actually in a place where this could have mattered, but yeah. it turned out they were fine too. So, uh, yeah, hey, hey, it's 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 good good news, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's one of those times when you when you realize, oh yeah, people in my family watch the Weather <laughs> Channel. Um, we got some deals to get to. Uh, we're going to have a sneak preview of Apple's big event tomorrow. We've also got some uh, payment industry news. All right, for the fourth year in a row, M&A activity in the United States has exceeded the one trillion dollar mark, and maybe this is the deal that that put it over the finish line. Enbridge, the Canadian pipeline company, is buying Spectra Energy in an all stock deal worth twenty eight billion dollars. When are we going to have a big? M&A deal in the energy industry. It seems like we have one here, and from longtime listener Professor Tom Rooney at Wright State University, go Raiders, um, <laughs> hit me up on Twitter and said, "What questions should a Spectra Energy shareholder be asking?" This is, a, I mean, this is literally a big deal. Yeah, it turns them into the largest infrastructure uh, energy infrastructure company in North America. So, move aside, Kinder Morgan, you can no longer say that. Um, Take that off all your press releases. That's exactly right. You're looking at 127 billion dollars in enterprise value. Um, Kinder Morgan's market cap is only 50 billion. Only 50 billion. Um, so, quite a significant jump here. Um, one question, as a shareholder myself of Spectra Energy, is: uh, Do I want more exposure to oil um, assets? Because Spectra Energy is tr- is much more involved in natural gas, transportation, and storage, and um, and Enbridge. Uh, coming from Canada, much more involved in oil. So, that's the first question I think you need to ask yourself. And then B, do I want to be invested in a company of this size? Because uh, Spectra Energy, I think, could have seen a lot of stock price growth. And obviously, they have some strong dividend growth in the past and I think in the future as well. So, do you want to do you want to step aside from that, that small company and still stick with now this behemoth that might not grow in the market as quickly, but they're looking, uh, they said that they can expect 10 to 12% dividend growth out to 2024. It's been a while <sighs> since I've heard an eight-year dividend wow. growth projection. Um, and so, if that's something you want to look for, that that safety in the yield, um, I don't think you're going to get the stock price growth though, and you have more exposure to oil. Although, Jason, the stock is certainly growing. I mean, Spectra Energy, they didn't write a check for $28 billion. It's a stock deal, but still, I'm assuming Wall Street thinks the price is right because shares of Spectra Energy up about 13% today. Yeah, and I think it's it's one that we're going to deliberate a little bit in million dollar portfolio. We own Spectra Energy and and the, the it, it was 
a positive returner before the deal here, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so this deal certainly helps our cause in that regard. But it's not such an easy decision, as you said. It's basically a stock swap thing, so um, we have to sort of assess whether we want to continue that exposure. Um, it seems like Enbridge, with its exposure to oil, sort of meshes with Spectra and that exposure to natural gas. It's going to create, obviously, a, a a tremendous uh, player in the North America infrastructure, and, and I think the question for us really is beyond the dividend yield, which the combined entity is going to be close to five percent, somewhere in the neighborhood of four and a half, four point six percent dividend yield. Um, what kind of revenue growth can we expect in the coming years? How could that play out on the stock price? We were happy as Spectra holders. Are we going to be happy with a combined entity? I don't know. We're going to, we're going to talk about that a good bit. Uh, Paul Chi is our, our in-house energy expert with, with the portfolio, and he's posted some thoughts that uh, initially we're kind of leaning towards uh, seeing this as a pretty attractive uh, holding. But um, but yeah, it's one we'll kick around for a little bit. Seems like it, it seems like it's a deal that'll that'll go through though. Yeah, the board. I think both boards already approved it. So I, I believe Embridge shareholders would own. Fifty-three percent, and Spectra shareholders would own forty-seven percent um, after the shares exchange hands. Um, personally, I'm probably going to hold on to Enbridge because it's a company, being an analyst for our Canadian service that I followed, um, because it's one of the largest energy plays in Canada, and um, so I like that business. I'm not too excited about that much oil exposure, but I just like Spectra Energy enough to where I think that those assets are going to give the business a nice boost. I'm still shaking my head on the eight-year dividend forecast. That's, yeah, out to 2024. <laughs> that I mean, that seems like something. If you make, I think if you make that kind of declaration, you got to feel really confident you can back that up. Especially 10 to 12 percent per year growth right. for that entire yeah for that entire period. And I mean, I'd like to believe that they can back that up, but I mean, I think let's also look at the other side of the coin here. Remember, I mean, we've been through a very Tumultuous time here with energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned Kinder Morgan here already, yes. and, and there was a situation where I think a lot of investors probably thought that was a very reliable yield. Um, they made a very, very big move, and rightly so, I think, in cutting their dividend a little mm-hmm. while back to make sure they shorted the balance sheet and got the company in, in uh, the position it needed to be. Um, so, projections aside, let's remember they are projections, and and uh, it's it's difficult to, to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, much less. Eight to ten years from now. Yeah, in eight to ten years, you could see a full cycle in, en- in energy. I mean, indeed, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a long enough time period for that. Shares of 3D Systems and Stratasys are both up more than five percent this morning. Not, I think, because of anything <laughs> they actually did. It's because <laughs> no. of what General Electric did. General Electric went out and spent 1.4 billion dollars to buy two other 3D printing companies based in Europe. This is being seen, Jason. It appears as bullish on 3D printing as an industry writ large. Do you think that's warranted, um, or is this well? GE's got the money. Well, they can they can afford. They definitely the, have the money. They can write this check. One point eight billion. I small. lean toward the latter there. I mean, I think this is sort of a situation where the rising tide is lifting all boats. But I think when you step back for a second and you take a look at 3D printing, and then you take a look at some of the companies in 3D printing. I mean, I think it wasn't all that long ago there was plenty of hype going around 3D printing, its potential implications, particularly on the consumer side. Uh, in 3D systems, and Stratasys were two of the big names in there. I think MakerBot was one that Stratasys, I think, ended up 
acquiring MakerBot. That's right, um, yeah. And I think that actually Jeff Bezos had some money invested in MakerBot. I'm pretty sure they wrote that whole business off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, ultimately, I think when you look at it's really difficult to, to see sort of the consumer implications um, for when it comes to 3D printing. We think about the consumer implications. I think you have to look at them from the perspective of these big businesses like GE that can figure out new ways to bring that technology. Closer to us, uh, it's probably it's probably a poor leap, or at least a not a not very well thought out leap, to think that people are just going to have three D printers in their houses and just printing off all this stuff because that's just not going to happen. Not anytime soon. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. going to happen in 10, 20 years from now. Maybe there's maybe there are economic reasons that 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 demand it. But but I think for now, I mean, that there's just Efficiency is is. You remember Jeff Bezos's toaster example? I mean, it's a lot easier just to go to a store and buy a toaster, right? I mean, the company that makes the toaster has this thing down pat. They've got the systems in place to do it. For you to make a toaster with a three D printer, it's just not going to be very efficient. And I mean, it, it's kind of an absurd point, but that's the point, right? Is the absurdity of it? It's just not there today. And I think that for consumers, they have to look at three D printing from this perspective. Look at it from the GEs. The Apples, the Fords, that are using this 3D printing technology to make their products better, better, and to bring new sort of products to market. Uh, when you look at companies like 3D Systems and Stratasys, if you look at their income statements, I mean, these things are really scary. I mean, you are taking a big, big leap of faith if you invest in these companies alone. So, for me personally, I, I think I would rather look at something like a GE and say, well, they've got all the capital in the world, right? And they're they're going to be able to raise whatever they need. Um, and they're going to be able to fund their 3D printing operations and, and help bring that technology uh, to market in new ways in the years to come. You see little pops in things like 3D systems and Stratus today. That's that's great, but but they, they sort of, this, this kind of news does not make me look at those companies any differently than I than I looked at them yesterday. Which is, I think it's neat technology, but I would ultimately look at those companies. They better be acquisition targets because they don't look like they're really healthy right now. I don't think GE is going to be selling this to the consumer. I think this no. is purely to be used in house. Right. Um, they're, they're they've got a jet engine, the largest one ever made. It's supposed to be in production by 2020. 700 orders already for 29 billion. It's the quietest engine they've ever made, the most fuel efficient, and um, it's 25% lighter than its predecessor. And a lot of that has to do with these nozzles that they're producing. There's over, there's I think there's almost 20 of these nozzles that they've 3D printed now to basically spark this jet engine. And, and because of that 3D printed nozzle, it's it's state of the art. And I think they're using it in their healthcare sector, their oil and gas sector, and their power sector as well. So um, or segment, not sector, but. Um, yeah, I think this is purely in-house for them. Yeah, and I think when you look at this type of market, additive manufacturing, 3D printing, stuff like that, there's a little business called Proto Labs, which is another one that gets lumped mm-hmm. in with these guys. It's a little bit of a different business, but similar. They are bringing some more 3D printing technology in-house, um, but but they do things like injection molding. They work with small businesses, and they work with that CAD software in order to be able to help sort of small businesses get those prototypes out there to sort of build new products and help their small businesses along. So we look at something like a proto labs as a better way to play this market because it's differentiated enough and and actually plays into that that small business uh, segment, not really the consumer segment either. But again, consumers can benefit from that technology. Uh, certainly, a healthier business um, and a little bit more focused versus something like a 3D or a Stratasys, which uh, you know again they're really. When deals like this GE deal happen, I mean, they are facing more and more competition with far more resources now than they were 
just two years ago. I like to think that one percent of the reason GE did this deal is they're sick of buying toasters. Like, <laughs> Screw it! No, we're going to make, make our own. We're going to make our own damn toasters. Sure. Uh, before we keep going, got to say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans because if you've ever bought a home, you already know how frustrating and time-consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all of the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for your mortgage out of the equation. By the way, I was doing some paperwork this weekend. Speaking of time-consuming, uh, as as my oldest child starts to get ready uh, to apply to colleges, putting the labor in Labor Day weekend. Oh man! Oh, college work. Oh, yeah. So just I, I I you know this is this whole this whole rocket mortgage thing is is, <laughs> is bringing back sort of fever dreams of when I was actually filling out mortgage stuff uh. of, of buying a house. Uh, with Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share the bank statements and your pay stubs at the touch of a button. You can get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your own financial situation. You can do it all from your phone or your tablet. So here's the thing: if you're one of those people who's actually looking to buy a home right now or to refinance your mortgage, then you know check out Rocket Mortgage at QuickenLoans.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS ConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Help me make sense of this uh, this next deal, guys. PayPal has a new deal with Mastercard. If I understand this correctly, um, it allows users to set MasterCard credit or debit cards as the default payment method, and in exchange, MasterCard is dropping a fee that they had been charging PayPal. Is that is that pretty much the size of this it thing? Seems like the gist of it. Yeah. With yeah, it's basically expanding PayPal's exposure to point of service sales, and then allowing MasterCard to be deep, more deeply embedded. In PayPal itself, for people that are using it to transfer money back and forth, because before you had to, if you didn't want to pay a fee, you had to sign up with your bank routing number and all of that. Uh, if you wanted to use a credit card to make payments, there's a fee associated with that. So this removes that for Mastercard um, users, and it it's follows in very similar light of what they did with Visa. I think it was in June or July. So now they're just teaming up with the two biggest. It seems like a, a small win-win. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that from from the perspective of this deal, PayPal is the bigger winner. Yeah. PayPal certainly needs MasterCard more than MasterCard needs PayPal. And I think that this is a, I mean, honestly, this is a crucial deal for PayPal, I think, because it, the biggest hurdle for PayPal right now, and it's sort of the obvious one, the one we all, we talk about PayPal all the time. And then when the mics are off and we look around the table, we're like, do you ever use PayPal? And you're like, well, no, maybe for fantasy football. Do you use it? And you're like, no, not really. I don't. It, the biggest challenge they have is actually getting people to use the platform on a consistent and regular basis. And so things like this are going to help stoke that. And we'll see signs of success um, in, in more actions per active account. Uh, we'll see. Payment volume. We'll see merchant services volume grow for PayPal, and and it is growing. All of those all of those metrics are growing. Deals like this are are meant to help kind of stoke that growth, and I mean that's been my biggest sort of sticking point with PayPal. I don't really question the technology or the business or really its market because it's a huge market. Um, it's just how often do people use mm-hmm. it? I mean, I I just don't know how much. How much sticking power it's got there, but but certainly deals like this help that. Um, and, and again, I think you you at, at the at the beginning of, of the segment there, you alluded to the fact that this is a very difficult market to understand. There are a lot of hands in this cookie jar, and and at the end of the day, I think when you look at it, you think, well, 
Visa and MasterCard are kind of the no-brainers because they control that sort of toll booth, right? That interchange, whether laws are put into place to limit how much they can charge on the interchange or not, I mean, they still control that toll booth at the end of the day. It's going to be very hard to displace them in any capacity, given the scale and importance in in the market today that they possess. So, again, I I look at Visa and MasterCard as as the no-brainers in this in this market, I think PayPal is sort of the interesting growth story that that uh, that does does have some potential there, and and I think that deals like like the one announced today are, are definitely a step in the right direction. Well, as a PayPal shareholder, anytime anytime I see them attacking Apple Pay or Android Pay at the tap and go point of service um, usage, I think that that's exactly what they have to do because sure. people everyone has an iPhone or an Android phone, and if you can pay with that without even having to open an app. That's going to be a difficult thing for PayPal to overcome. So, with deals like this, I think these are a necessity. Yeah, and I mean it's beyond friction too, right? I mean, I think the one thing that Apple Pay has sort of had a bit of a difficult time overcoming is that it's not that much different from pulling out your phone to make a payment versus pulling out your wallet and swiping mm-hmm. a card, right? I mean, you're really not making it that much easier. But there's a security side to that transaction that I think all of these players are really trying to address because the level of fraud in this in this market is so is so widespread. So I think that you know these tech companies like Apple, like PayPal, this is another big opportunity yeah. for them to really rule that security side um, and not only make not only make the merchants feel better, not only make the consumers feel better, but the banks, the card issuers, everybody in, in the transaction. Well, you think back to the Apple event, um, I don't even remember if it was last year or the year before, the one where they rolled out Apple Pay. I think it was last year. It's been a couple of days. Apple yeah. Pay's been a couple of years. Maybe it was 2014. Now, yeah. But you think back to that event and how much time Tim Cook spent on security. When he was talking about Apple, like it was, it was basically like the dominant headline out of that event was, sure. "We are not messing around with security when it comes to your money and yeah. your your financial livelihood." Um, speaking of Tim Cook, segue uh, right into that. Segue right into tomorrow's event, Wednesday's event in San Francisco, which, by the way. Yet another Apple event that we did not get an invitation for. <laughs> uh, you know, anytime Apple, anytime you want to invite us. Don't they know we like them? We're on iTunes, aren't we? We are on the iTunes. We have friends at Apple, but I don't think they're running this event. Um, so the iPhone 7 event coming on Wednesday, um, whether it is about the iPhone 7 or anything else in the Apple universe, what is one, one thing you're going to be watching for tomorrow, Taylor? I'll just start with you. I just want to see a surprise. That's all. I mean, I feel like these have become somewhat predictable. Um, I'm not an Apple user. I have an Android phone. I use it for my computer at home, but this isn't something that I necessarily tune into because um, I'm not looking for the next Apple gadget. But I am looking for a surprise because innovation is something that used to drive this company, and then that in turn drove its competitors. And so I think that that's what I'm looking for is something that blogs haven't already discovered that might be unleashed at this event. Jason. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking for news that probably doesn't really pertain to Apple as much as perhaps another company. But we've heard a lot going into this event um, in regard to Twitter's board meeting on Thursday. People talking about Twitter, or is it time for them to be acquired by someone or whatever? And maybe, I've, maybe I thought it's very clear on that. I don't think we're going to see any kind of a deal. But I do think that it was interesting. We saw Apple sort of reinvigorate or reactivate its Twitter account, and so they they reactivated the Twitter account. It's verified, and they have like a million followers or something. And there are signs, at least, some rumor out there that perhaps 
uh, Apple is going to live tweet that event. Now, I wonder if they won't take it a step further and actually live stream the event on video via Twitter, just given all of the uh, efforts that Twitter has been making in the live streaming video front recently. And really, all of this stuff that they're doing is is leading into the football season, uh, which is starting here Thursday night, I believe, right? We've got uh, yeah, the pro yes, football season. Yeah. You've got your boys. Yeah, that'd there, be right? a good that'd be a good test case, I think, for Twitter. But uh, Before I mean, they I, hit primetime, primetime. And, and I think also there's been a lot of hubbub about the Twitter app in, in some form being integrated into Apple TV. And I think that we. Uh, maybe we'll learn more about that. Perhaps there's going to be some type of relationship in Twitter with Twitter and Apple and broadcasting, whether it be sports or other live events. So I think that's, I mean, the hardware is the hardware. I don't really expect any surprises on the phone front. I, you know, the watch is, you know, the watch and iPads or <laughs> iPads. I mean, I think there's just not going to be anything really surprising there. Like Taylor said, I mean, there, it's not something I'm probably going to tune into really, but um, I will kind of follow along on Twitter. And if they live stream it, well, then that's all the better for me because I'll already be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm more in your camp, Taylor. I'm, I'm curious to see if there's any sort of a surprise. There's, you know, obviously, the iPhone 7 itself is going to dominate the event. There's talk that, uh, to your point, Jason, uh, an upgrade to the watch. Uh, there's talk of, of Beats and sort of possibly upgrades there or so, you know, something with Apple Music. But I'm, I, in particular, I'm curious to see if there is anything with a nod towards the automotive industry. Not necessarily we're rolling out a car. But I'm, I'd, be, I'd be curious to see maybe a transcript of the event after it's over, and how many times you know you do the Control F search. How many times <laughs> some version of the word car or auto appears in the event? Because um, uh, I don't know. I just I, I, I think that would be. But yeah, just one surprise. That's Come all we on. want. I mean, we've seen the three products already. Come on. I mean, let's just really might throw, be a little bigger, might be a little faster. Let's throw a monkey cool. wrench into the yeah. whole thing, and let's Apple plans to acquire Tesla before Tesla has even fully acquired Solar City. And the question of Solar City is 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 it even really viable business at this point? Probably a fair question. The market's kind of questioning it today. I think that that would be a real surprise. And then right the now. Silicon Valley start song for the show just turns into one big Apple logo. How sure. how great would it be if Tim Cook came out and, of course, you know, didn't actually say that, but instead said, "Let me just begin by saying, I'm not going to address the rumors." Of Apple acquiring Tesla Motors, I'm not going to talk about it, so don't ask me. Now, the iPhone Seven, and that like, imagine the freakout that would the occur. Audience just drops off. <laughs> All right, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Bye. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.